thrilled to uh, be able to give you uh, just the, the first taste of our involvement uh, with Romania as a church, uh, because this is all new to all of us, I recognize. And, and we love how we have invested in El Salvador, and uh, we will continue to be invested in El Salvador. But we also have uh, a unique privilege to wrap our hearts around the people of Romania, uh, in a very specific way. And you're going to hear about that this morning. Uh, and it will happen through the construction of a camp which we believe that God is going to use in a very wonderful way. And it's called Camp Falcon Rock. Uh, there are a number of people who have had uh, a vision for this over the years uh, and their hearts have been in Romania for uh, a, a while, desiring to serve the people of Romania, desiring to reach the country with the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, uh, pleased to see George and uh, uh, Arliss Cuff here this morning from Parkland in Spruce Grove. Welcome. And uh, also Laverne and Rosie Liskey. I know that you have a real heart for the ministry there in Romania. Perhaps others, uh, Terry Fossen, I know, Tom Berikoff, that many of us know. Uh, these people are putting shoulder to the wheel. And, uh, and uh, we really appreciate that so much because we, we do have a vision. And, and it's just kind of growing in my heart. And I... I'm excited about what God is, is uh, going to do. But this morning, I want you to meet Paul and Tanya Gerke, uh, and they have been commissioned by our uh, North American Baptist Conference to go to uh, Romania to head up this new mission uh, opportunity. And so uh, we're excited for you, Paul and Tanya, really excited. Uh, I uh, just had the privilege to meet them less than a year ago, and uh, I just immediately saw the leadership qualities uh, in their lives, and uh, I really do believe that God's got some exciting things in store uh, via their ministry. And also, we want to meet a couple from Romania who are here this morning. Uh, they've been here for in uh, Alberta for three months, and their names are Thomas and Tunde Modai, uh, and they have been at Camp Caroline. They've been learning the ropes of ministry because uh, they are anticipating that they will be involved in the camp ministry back back home in Romania. So that what a great opportunity to come to our camp and to have the experience of walking alongside administrators and all that it takes to put uh, a camp ministry together. So they're going to share. I'm going to invite them all to come up, and uh, I'd like you to give them a very warm welcome this morning. We'll have Tanya... Uh, kick it off for us. Thanks, Ken. Hi, I, I'm Tanya, and this is my husband, Paul. Um, and as Ken was saying, we are um, becoming missionaries in Romania, and it's very exciting. We're very excited about this. Um, we were signed on with the North American Baptist Missions uh, last fall in September 2012. But as Ken was saying, um, it's neat because this ministry started long before Paul and I were even involved. And what happened is... Um, we decided to partner with uh, the local leaders in Romania that have a heart for camp ministry. And back in the 1990s, um, the way it works in Romania is there's one pastor for about five to ten churches. And so there's not a lot of opportunity for youth uh, ministry or children's ministry. And so the, the leaders in Romania decided they needed a center where they could bring lots of villages together and run a camp ministry. So in the year 2000, a number of Alberta churches got together and fundraised to buy a piece of property in the northern region of Romania. 
So they bought that piece of land. It's about 40 to 50 acres of land that's sitting there waiting to be de developed into a camp ministry. Um, since the year 2000, uh, there hasn't been much development on that property. And so Paul and I have been going back there. Paul, Paul was actually on that first trip in the year 2000. He's been back eight times. I've been there three times. And when we went there in 2011, we felt um, God was calling us to something bigger in Romania. And we got a glimpse of God's calling for us to move over to Romania. So when we came back from that trip, we started chatting with our friends and family here and, and, and told them about this, this calling that we were having um, to go to Romania. And it was clear we needed to go back and, and chat with the, the local leaders there. So in 2012, Paul and I went back and we asked them, what is your vision for this camp? Um, how do you see, how do you want it to be established and developed? And uh, they said that they really wanted it to happen. They wanted it to be a center where they could have youth come and experience summer camp and have leadership training, but that they didn't necessarily know how to move forward and they didn't have the finances to do that. So in 2012, Paul and I, Paul and I said, can we partner with you? And they said, yes. And so that really begun our process. Um, and in that moment, we said, we're going to get connected with the North American Baptist uh, Missions over in North America and we would start fundraising and that their role was to determine who would be the camp directors for Camp Falcon Rock. And so they chose Thomas and Tunda to be the camp directors, um, which was very exciting. And since then, it's been a, a process of figuring out how can we best strategize to partner with the local leaders and empower them. And so this last uh, April, we took a team of 18, and we went over and chatted with the local leaders and came up with a strategy of how we could develop the buildings and develop the ministry. And since coming back, um, we've had a number of those members that were on that trip join a Canadian advisory committee, and that includes George and Arliss Cuff and Laverne and Rosie Liskey and Tom Barakoff and Terry Fawson. They've come around this ministry and are helping us um, establish this camp. So it's very exciting. Um, we, are, we are very excited. We're, we're planning to leave at the end of October, and right now we're in um, a fundraising stage. So we'd love um, for this community to keep keep growing and keep supporting this ministry. Paul and I are currently fundraising for our personal support, and we're also going to start fundraising for the camp project itself to develop the buildings. Um, so we're really excited about, about this uh, ministry, and if you guys are interested in learning more, we have a table set up in the back with more information, and we'll be back there um, at the end of the service. But we're just we're so grateful that you guys have invited us here this Sunday to, to share our hearts with you and to share about this ministry opportunity in Romania. Um, and we're also going to have Thomas speak a little bit about their heart and why they feel called um, to this camp ministry as well. Morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Thomas. Uh, I came here with my wife, uh, Tunde. And, uh, yeah, we had this experience to be in Canada and uh, uh, be Camp Caroline for a few months. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. God... God is good, and uh, yeah, he's the one who can, who can change life. Uh, just a few things about me. Uh, we lived uh, for the last three and a half years in England. We worked there, uh, and uh, in the, during, uh, uh, when I grew up in the church, God gave me a vision of watching people, watching people's life, uh, and yeah, so I had a bit of time uh, to watch people, so what's happening around them, uh, what's happening with the young generation, 
the child, they are just growing up and uh, yeah, they reach high school and they are kind of, uh, they don't really know what to do next. So I had, I had this, uh, this blessing to, to just watch people uh, and I, I started to just help them, like to say good advice and uh, to pray with them. Uh, and in the last, uh, last time, uh, I was thinking about this camp and I said, uh, yeah, there's a great opportunity, there's this place. And it would be great if somebody could just go there and then set up this camp and just uh, get people together to be on that camp. Uh, and while I was in England, I had a bit of time to think about my life. I had a bit of time to just uh, stop for a minute and listen to God. Uh, and I understand that God really wants me to start this ministry with uh, Paul and Tanya. Yeah, and I met Paul uh, in 2000 when they came, uh, they done this ministry in Romania. He was just a young boy, but he was so excited uh, that ministry he done. And he was just young people. I was so younger than him. Uh, looks like not anymore. But uh, <laughs> I just seen that he's, he's a great guy who, and uh, God is using him in a, such a great way. And now I'm, I'm feeling so blessed to work with them at the camp. Uh, just a few things about the camp. Uh, there is this camp there, and uh, the best thing we need in Romania is God. The most important thing, people, the young generation, and most of them, all of them, they need is God. So uh, there is this, there is a, a special place called camp where people, they just go out there and forget about everything, forget about TV, phone, or uh, everything, and they got a bit of time to spend there, and it's some, it's, it's just, they are playing games, they are playing soccer, they are playing uh, all kind of activities, going on the zip line, playing gaga, and uh, they are hearing about God. And uh, I just realized that there is a seed already planted in their heart. These kids, they're just going out there and they don't really realize, they don't really like studying the Bible, they don't really like cabin devotions, but after a week, they are like coming closer to God because they just see it already planted in their heart, and, and that's great. And I realized that that's, that's in Romania, the part of Romania we need to, let, to give them an opportunity to come out there, spend some time with God, uh, let them find their self, let them express themselves, and uh, it's something special. Uh, a church is the best thing. Go to church, community. Uh, but camp is something special. And working together, church and camp, it's amazing. It's just, uh, just finding like what we actually we need, what we actually want from the life. And I've seen so many people, the young generation, finishing high school and 
they don't really know what to do with their life. They need, they need to be advised. They need to come closer to God. Uh, they need to grow up and then uh, take decisions. But uh, if they are taking these decisions without God, uh, that's everything is going in the wrong direction. So for me, the most important, to go on the camp and give them an opportunity to come out there, pray with them, let them to come closer to God, just help them. Because uh, God, God, he really let me to understand in the last time, the most important, if I can help people, the most important, if I could just bring them closer to God. And uh, yeah, I think God is going to do the rest. Uh, and just one more uh, verse I want to mention. I've just got it uh, from God. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. <clears throat> well, good morning again. Um, it is, we are just so delighted to be here. Uh, we just, we really appreciate you allowing us to come and spend this morning with you. Allow us to, to share uh, our hearts for camp ministry, to share our hearts for Romania and why we feel like this ministry in Romania is, is so critical. Um, and so we just, we really appreciate you taking the morning uh, to, to hear that from us. And, and I want to continue to speak about that, but I want us to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. And this morning, I want us to think about what is God's calling in our lives. Uh, as Tanya and I have been journeying along with uh, this calling in our life, as we've been getting to know Thomas and tuned him more and more and developing that relationship, um, we've just been overwhelmed by the calling that God has in our life. And, and I think it raises uh, something in me to say, what is, what is God's calling in all of our lives? Um, we've had an incredible summer. Being at Camp Caroline, Tanya and I had the opportunity of being the staff pastors this summer. Uh, and so it's been incredible to work with the, uh, the staff and, and their young people too, but the staff at Camp Caroline. Um, and, it's, and it feels like, I mean, we look young, but we're, we're feeling pretty young hanging out with those 20-year-olds. It's been, it's been a blessing for us. Uh, it's been a blessing to be with Thomas and Tunda and to, to see them uh, grow in understanding about camp and how that works, grow in their English. Tanya and I are learning Hungarian, and so grow in our Hungarian language, which is a lot worse than their English. Um, but all of this comes down to one thing, and that's what's Jesus doing in our midst? What's Jesus doing in our lives, and, and where is he calling us specifically? Uh, and so we're going to take a look at that in, in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. Uh, before we read Matthew 21, let me, uh, let me pray for us. God, we, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you for, for what you're doing in our midst. Uh, Lord, it's just so good to be together and to take, take a look at your word and to, to see that, that calling that you have on our lives. To see, Lord, where, where, where do you want us to go and how do you want us to respond to you? to respond to your grace and to your love and to your, um, your holiness and to who you are, Lord. And so I just pray that by your spirit, you'd show us that this morning. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, <laughs> a number of years ago when I was really, really young, so v like very young, not just young, but very young, 
uh, I remember very clearly having babysitters. Do, do you guys remember having babysitters at some point in your life? Some of you probably do. Some of you that may be a little longer ago. And so I clearly remember having babysitters because it wasn't that long ago. Um, and, and I loved having, when we had the chance of having babysitters, I was the youngest of three. So I have an older brother who's about four years older than me. And then an older sister who's about eight years. So I'm the, I'm the baby of the family. But I loved having babysitters because my mom helped out uh, with the college and career at Parkland Baptist. I grew up in Spruce Grove. So it often met, meant that we had like a 19, 20, 21-year-old come and hang out with us for the evening, which was awesome because it meant that we got to stay up late and, and it meant that we got to like eat candy and it meant that we got to like watch movies. So I loved having babysitters. But one night, and, and I don't know what happened, but one night... Uh, my parents couldn't find a babysitter. And so they were looking and they are looking and they couldn't find one. And so they had to ask a lady from down the road who my parents knew uh, named Mrs. Wolf. Now, Mrs. Wolf's name really kind of characterizes her personality. There's very similarities between her name and her personality. But, but I remember very clearly Mrs. Wolf showing up and, and I was not excited about what was going to happen. And, and so rather than like eating candy, we had to eat vegetables. And rather than like staying up late, she'd send us to bed. And rather than watching movies, we'd have to read books. So it was just like, it was a disaster of a night. And, uh, and my siblings and me, we had enough. We're like, this is, this is getting out of hand. So, so we encouraged Mrs. Wolf as, as she was kind of trying to shoo us off to bed, that we needed something from a closet in, in our home. We're like, we need you to go get something from a closet. So she, um, she, she agreed and she's going to the closet now, there's something special about this closet in our home, and that's that you could lock it from the outside. <laughs> so Mrs. Wolf gets to the closet, she opens it up, and we're like, yeah, it's just inside. And then she, and then my siblings, not me, I was too young, my siblings push her, close the door, and they lock it. A- and now she's locked inside. And this was going to be the greatest night of our lives. Matthew chapter 21. says this. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted vineyard, a vineyard. He put a wall around it, he dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him, threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. He will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on his stone will be broken to pieces, but on he whom it falls, will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. 
They looked for a way to arrest him, but they're afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. It's, it's an interesting story that we read this morning, and you might be like, what on earth does this story that Jesus is telling have anything to do with God's calling on my life? Uh, and let me just, let me back up uh, a couple thousand years before Jesus tells this story and, and tell this history of Israel. Be, because that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's talking to this religious, these religious leaders. He's talking to this, these Pharisees. And he's saying, the story that I just told you, this parable about this, this, this landowner, this farmer, is your story. Be, because here's the story. There, there's this landowner that, that owns a piece of land. And he entrusts it to some tenants. But, but what do they do with that gift? What do they do with that farm? They handle it irresponsibly. And, and so people come and they try and collect the money and they try and collect the fruit. But, but these tenants turn them away. And, and, then, and then the farmer, the landowner says, well, certainly I'll just, I'll send my son. They'll treat him with respect. And what do they do? They kill him. And, and that's the story of Israel. And, and so we go back in time and, and we see the story of Israel, Right? Israel was entrusted with something incredible. And what was that? It was a relationship with their creator. God entrusted them within a relationship with their creator. That's what happens with with Abraham. Adam and Eve fell into sin. They were away from God. And and God says, I want to entrust you with a relationship with me. I want you to be my chosen people. And out of you, a great nation will come. Out of you, a savior, a Messiah will come. But I'm going to develop a relationship with you. But what does Israel do? Time and time again, they handle it irresponsibly. That they receive this gift, a gift that was given to them, but they handle it irresponsibly. And they fall into sin time and time and time again. And then what does God do? He sends prophets. And these prophets come and they warn Israel of what's to come. But they continue to fall into sin. And then what happens? God sends his son, Jesus and what do they do? But they kill him. And so the question this morning is, as we see in the story that Jesus tells us, as we see in the, the story of Israel, is what are they going to do with the gift that they've been given them? And I want to ask us that question. The gift that we've been given, how are we going to handle that? And how are we going to respond to God in that? And I would say the greatest gift that we've been given is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came so that we might have a life. And so when we're talking about calling this morning, how are we responding to that gift that we've been given? How are we responding to Jesus Christ who came and sacrificed his life, rose again so that we might have life? Uh, It was interesting. I remember in 2011, as Tanya shared, uh, it was the first time that Tanya and I went to Romania together. And so we had this incredible experience. I had a real heart for Romania at that time. I had lived there for three months in in 2008. I had been there, uh, I think, at five or six times up to that point. And so Tanya and I went, and we just had an incredible week. We took a we took a group with us. And we were running vacation Bible school programs. And as Tanya mentioned, there's a real need for youth ministry in in Romania, in that region of Romania that we're in. There's Again, one pastor for 10 churches or five churches, so it's very hard to have youth pastors and to run children's programs and to run youth programs. 
And so when we go to Romania, oftentimes we'll go and we'll just do youth programs. And, and I remember on this trip, it was uh, incredibly fruitful. I remember one day in particular, one day in particular, we were uh, in a village and we were in this village for two days. And there's this boy named Felix, and I'll never forget Felix. Uh, and Felix was just this little guy, but he wanted to fight everybody. And so, like, we'd get all the kids around, and he'd, like, try and fight everybody. And so we're like, Felix was causing so much trouble that we were going to send him home because it was just, we couldn't do anything because he was just getting in the midst of everybody trying to fight them. And he wasn't, he, had, he wasn't a church kid. Most of the kids that come to VBS don't, don't go to church, don't, uh, don't have a faith. And so he wasn't a church kid. We're like, well, maybe we'll just send him home. Then we'll be able to handle these kids better. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to hold his hand for the next two days. Uh, and then he won't be able to fight anybody. So I would hold Felix's hand, and he'd be like kick, trying to kick kids still. Uh, and so he was just off the wall. Uh, but, but he stayed there, and I just kept him by my side the whole time. And I remember the last uh, day or the last moment of us being there, we just said, you know, what did, what did you guys learn this week? What, what was the, the biggest thing that you took away? And Felix puts up his hand. And he shared the entire gospel with all the kids. And we're overwhelmed by this because it's only by God and it's only by the power of the Spirit that change is happening in these kids' lives. And so one night, Tanya and I were debriefing the day, remembering this story. And Tanya turns to me and says, I think God's calling to move us here uh, long term. And I looked at her and I said, I think you're hearing wrong. Um, But at that time, Tanya had a real keen sense of what God was doing in our lives. and, And I obviously didn't. Uh, And over the next year, uh, God really began to work that in my life. But we had a choice at that moment. God gave us an incredible gift of this work in Romania. We had a choice of, were we going to walk in this? Or were we not going to walk in this? And that's, that's where... That's where we need to land with when we're thinking about calling. We've been given gifts, and how are we responding to Jesus? How are we responding to our Creator? How are we responding to God in the gifts that He's given us? And so the challenge is, is what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean for us to follow Jesus Christ? Uh, I heard a story recently <coughs> of a, a friend of mine, of his nephew, and so his nephew was in church. His nephew's about five years old, and the communion elements were being passed out. And so the bread and the, and the cup were coming through, and he turned to his mom, and he said, can I take the bread and the cup? But he had no un- understanding of sort of what the bread meant and what the cup meant. And, and so his mom said, no. She said, you can't. And he said, but, but mom, why can't I? And, and she said, not until you understand or make a decision to follow Jesus. And the little boy turned to his mom, and he said, well, how can I follow Jesus when I don't know where he's going? And, and in this really cute, innocent sense, I think that's the question we're all often asking is, how can I follow Jesus when I have no idea where he's going or where he's taking me? And I want us to, to look at that in, in three ways this morning. But as we begin to look at that, I want us to have this understanding of what does it mean to wake up to the calling of God in our lives? What does it mean to wake up to the calling of God in our lives. I'm sure often we all know what it means to sleep, right? Because we were there, you know, four or five hours ago. We, we know what it means to be asleep. We're, we're unaware of everything going on around us. But God is saying, I don't want you to be asleep. I want you to wake up. I want you to be aware of your surroundings. I want you to be aware of who I am. 
and what I want to do through you and in you. Whether that means moving to Romania or whether that means living in the Twilliger area, it doesn't matter. I, God, want to work in you because I've given you an incredible gift, which is my son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Spirit to walk in you. And that's, that's what we need to wake up to. I want to look at three verses really quickly this morning about what it means to wake up to God's calling, and then we'll look at three points. Um, but number one is, is Romans 13 says this. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. Ephesians 5, 13 through 15 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Then lastly, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 and 6 says, You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not behave like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and be sober. And so would we wake up to the calling that God has in our lives? Let's, let's see this in three ways this morning. Number one, um, calling begins... Calling begins with waking up to the understanding of Jesus' heart for us, the church, and the world. Calling begins with waking up to Jesus' heart for us, the church, and the world. And so the question you might have this morning is, well, what is, what is God's heart for us? What is God's heart for the church? What is God's heart for the world? And let me say two words. Number one, it's reconciliation. Number two, it's relationship. It's reconciliation and it's relationship. I mean, that's the story of Israel, isn't it? That's the story that, that Israel fell into sin time and time and time again. But God, what did God want to do? He wanted to redeem that nation. He wanted to reconcile them so that they could have a relationship. The moment that Adam and Eve fell into sin, God wanted to have a relationship with his people. And at that moment, he said, Jesus Christ needs to come and bring life. And so it's about reconciliation and relationship. What's, what's interesting to me is even after Israel has fallen into sin time and time and time and time again, this is God's heart in Isaiah 43. He says this, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine when you pass through the waters. I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt in your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, 
whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. That's God's heart for Israel. Even in their sin, he wanted to redeem them. He wanted to see them walk in holiness. He wanted them to be a nation that was set apart. Reconciliation relationship. And then Jesus comes and and he dies and he's risen again so that we might be reconciled to him. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says that God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of God. God's heart for us is reconciliation and relationship. Uh, You know, it's interesting um, for Tanya and I in the midst of this this process. Um, A a year ago when when we were feeling called to move to Romania, I remember going to the Lord and saying, is is there something that you want to speak to me about this? Is there a particular verse that that I can kind of hold on to as as we hit hard times or as we we make the decision to kind of sell everything and move to Romania? Is there a verse that I can hold on to? Um, and, And Matthew 11 came to mind. Said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. And, and it was this incredible moment where I thought, why didn't you give me, like, go and make disciples of all nations? And yet when it comes to the calling that God has in our lives, first and foremost, God wants us to know him. God wants us to be in a relationship with him. So if you're asking that question of where's God calling me? Is he, if, is, is he calling me to this job or that job? Is he calling me to this city or that city? Before you even process that, what does it mean to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ? What does it mean to know him? Uh, I was called into ministry at a, at a young age. Uh, and I remember being in grade five or six, feeling this call into ministry and thinking, man, when I become a pastor, I'll have my spiritual disciplines figured out. My life will be like perfect. That's true, isn't it? And then I remember becoming a pastor and thinking, that's not true. And then, and then I was like, okay, well, when I become a missionary, when I sell everything I own and we move to Romania, then I'll, then I'll have life figured out. And I realized that that's not true either. You know, the reality is there's men and women who have incredible ministries, but they don't know Jesus. That's, that's a sobering thought. Matthew 7 talks about that. We prophesied in your name. We preached in your name. But God's like, I did not know you. So before you go and do anything, what does it mean for you to foster your relationship with Jesus Christ? What does it mean for me to foster my relationship with Jesus Christ? To know the King of kings and the Lord of lords personally, that he's, he's redeemed me, that he's reconciled me, that he's brought me into a relationship. And the exciting thing about that is when we grasp that, that's the ministry that we get to walk into. Corinthians talks about that we get to be ministers of reconciliation. We get to walk in the truth of that and, and the love of that, that we get to go out and serve. So what's God's heart for the church or, and the world? It's the same thing. It's reconciliation and relationship. And so my challenge to you and my challenge to myself is how do we walk in that? How do we understand that our neighbors need reconciliation and relationship with the Creator? of this universe, Jesus Christ. Uh, what does it look like for us to think that about our families, to think that about our coworkers? And that's the way that we begin to approach life. For Tanya and I, for whatever reason, God has gripped our hearts for Romania. And he's called us into this ministry and he's called us to, to go and work with Thomas and Tuna to see uh, the younger generation changed. But for you, what is it? Is it a certain job? Is it a role that you have in your family? Is it, um, I don't know. Is it, is it a different location? Is it the same location? 
But at the heart of it, would you understand that God's heart is reconciliation and relationship for all of those around you? So number one, we got to wake up to the calling that Jesus has on us, waking up to his understanding for, the, the, for us, the church in the world. Number two is, is his calling is about submitting and surrendering to the rule and authority of God. We can't walk in God's calling in our lives if we don't submit to the rule and authority of God. And so when we go back to this, this story that I told you that of Jesus and this parable, in no way, in no way do these tenants have any rule or authority for their master. This is like the perfect picture of how not to live. Because in no way do they submit and surrender to their master. Their lives and the result of their lives would be dramatically different if they had. And so for us, what does it look like to submit and to surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And the exciting thing about that is that God can do so much more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And he wants to do that through us by the power of his spirit. And one of the greatest pictures of this is Mary coming to the feet of Jesus with a very, very, very expensive bottle of perfume and laying that down and saying, Jesus, I submit, I surrender, I give you everything, and I want to walk ahead. So what does it look like for us to submit and to surrender to Jesus Christ? And then lastly this morning, calling is about participating in the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives and in this world. Calling is about participating in the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives in this world. So number one, it's, it's waking up to Jesus' heart for us. Number two, it's, it's submitting to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then number three, it's us participating in the reality of the kingdom of, of God in our lives in this world. And what does that look like? Well, Jesus says it very, very clearly. It's to be light and it's to be salt. It's to be light and it's to be salt. It's to be ministers of reconciliation. It's to, to be those that go out and serve the Lord. You know, I loved 1 Thessalonians 1, a verse that we read earlier. You are children of light and children of day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And so what does it look like for you? What does it look like for me to be the light and salt in our families? What does it look like to be light and salt, whether you're a pastor or you're an engineer, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a teacher? What does it look like for us to be the salt and the light? What does it look like for Tanya and I to move to Romania and be the salt and the light in that northern region of Romania as we long to see kids' lives changed, uh, hearing about Jesus Christ and having a place to, to grow in that, to be discipled? What does it look like for us to be the salt and to be the light? And so as we close, I want us to think about it in this way. What, what does it mean to participate in the reality of God? And, and oftentimes when we're thinking about God's calling on our lives, we're like, well, what needs to change? What needs to change in my life so that I can walk in that? And, and I want to suggest one of two things. Number one, is God calling you to change your perspective? Or is God calling you to change your place? Sometimes it's both. But is God calling you to change your perspective? Or is he calling you to change your place? And... and <coughs> And the reality is, I think in a lot of ways, he's calling us to change our perspective. What does it look like for us to change our perspective on our families, on our ministries, on our jobs? Let me explain it this way. Uh, Tony and I um, got a dog in, in January because we want to bring this dog with us to Romania. 
So, so Romania is, is primarily rural. We're working in the rural e region of Romania. And, and so, you know, Tanya and I are going to be there serving the kids and working with Thomas and Tunda and developing this camp. But we need someone to take care of like our chickens and our cows and our, you know, our little house. So, so that's going to be our dog. And so we got a really big dog and we want him to be outside and his ministry is going to be protecting our home. That's his ministry. Our ministry is to work with young people. Our dog, Theo, his ministry is to protect our home. So we got him and we were training him to be outside, but he hated being outside. He hated it. So we'd put him outside and like within a minute, he'd be scratching at the door, scratching at the door, scratching at the door. And he just hated being outside. And we're like, Theo, this is your ministry. You got you to figure this out. Uh, and I remember one day in particular, I was in the front yard working on something and Theo's uh, climbed up uh, some wood piles and he's looking over the fence and he's like barking at me because he wants to come and be with me in this front little area. And, and he was like peering over the fence and I'm like, you want to come be with me in this little area? Meanwhile, you have like 2,000 square feet to run around in, in your backyard. And I'm like, Theo, change your perspective. Go run around in those 2,000 square feet. Change your perspective of what it means to be outside and what it means to be in the backyard. And I think we need to change our perspective too. In our families, and our ministries. You know, you take the, the story, the, the parable that Jesus was sharing. He, in no way was he saying that those tenants needed to go farm a different piece of land. He was just telling them they had to change their perspective of how to farm wasn't about them farming a different piece of land. It was about them respecting and honoring and walking in the calling that they had on their lives from the farmer who oversaw them. And so in what ways is God calling us to change our perspective on where he has us? And that's to be the salt and the light in this world. That's to be ministers of reconciliation. And so Mrs. Wolf is in the closet and she's locked there. And my siblings and I thought, this is going to be the greatest night of our lives. Uh, we are at home by ourselves for the first time ever. But one thing we forgot. Does anyone know what we forgot? One day my parents would come home. Not one day. In a couple hours my parents would come home. So we could have so much fun for the next two hours. But at some point they would come home. And unfortunately they did. And I don't need to go into detail about how they handled that situation. Um, but we, you know, it wasn't great for us. We had just locked our babysitter in a closet. But that story reminds us that in, in the same way, Jesus will return. At one point, he's going to return, and, uh, and we need to recognize that, and we need to realize that Jesus will return, and he's going to ask us that question of how did I handle, how did we handle that gift that he gave us? In the same way that the farmer was going to return to those tenants, and he's going to ask them that question of how did you handle the farm that you, were being, that you had been given? How are we handling the gifts that we've been given? And I just want to challenge us in that, you know. Tanya and I's heart is for Romania. We're so excited for this next stage of life. So excited for where God's calling us. We're so excited for the people that have come along with us in this journey. But where's God calling you? Where's he leading you and your family? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank, you for, we thank you for entrusting us with a relationship with you. We thank you for entrusting us with um, knowing you. That, that the greatest gift that we have is you, Jesus Christ. And you giving us a life 
And so would you show us how to walk in that, Lord? Would you show us how to respond to you in that? And I just thank you that, that that's an exciting calling, that that's an exciting thing that you have before us. And whether that's moving to another continent, whether that's staying right where we are, would we just have a sense of, of where you're taking us and would we walk in that? Pray these things in your name. Amen.